It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Rapine. We have plenty to get to on today's show. Thank you for tuning in to the only daily Bengals podcast out there. So if you're looking to stay up to date on the Cincinnati Bengals, well, you've come to the right place. So hit that subscribe button. Jake Lisko going to preview this weekend's matchup against the Chargers. Yes, it is game week. It is week one. I'm excited. Woo-hoo-hoo! And I hope you're excited as well. So he's going to do that in segments two and three of the show. As for me, well, there are plenty of updates from today's practice and what Zach Taylor had to say after what was just a, a tiny workout, not a huge workout. They broke a little sweat today at Paul Brown Stadium. So we will discuss that and more as we look ahead to week one. Wait, it's here. No need to look ahead. So let's dive into a roster move they made and look at Monday's practice. The Bengals officially placed Trey Waynes on injured reserve on Monday, and that cleared a spot for Torrey McTire, which is something Jake and I have speculated about. And that move was official and became official on Monday as the Bengals get set to play for the first time since December. It's finally here. Week one is here. A couple of quick news and notes before we dive into exactly what Zach Taylor had to say on Monday. First off, Sean Williams was working on the rehab field on Monday. No surprise as he tries to come back from that calf injury. But it is worth noting because he was a guy that I thought could potentially end up on IR because it's only a three-week stint. That's all it takes for you to be worth putting on IR in 2020. And if he misses this Sunday's game... You would assume he would miss week two since it's just a quick turnaround next Thursday against the Browns. We'll see. Maybe they're getting him ready for that week two matchup on a short week, and that's kind of their plan. But Sean Williams on the rehab field. Geno Atkins not participating in practice. I think that's worth noting for sure. It was a light practice. Again, just kind of a uh, light workout at Paul Brown Stadium. They didn't even go out to the practice field. But it's worth noting, and if we don't see him out there Wednesday, maybe more concerned there, not concerned at the moment. Other news and notes from practice, Shaq Calhoun, the offensive lineman that the Bengals claimed, Jake and I went in depth on that on Sunday's podcast. If you're looking for more info on Calhoun, he was not out there for practice on Monday, and LaShawn Sims was also not at practice, the cornerback. So just a a couple of notes there as we dive into it, because now that we're in week one, uh, a couple storylines, right? And one involves number 18, A.J. Green, the seven-time Pro Bowler, a guy that hasn't played in a game, an NFL game, since December 2nd, 2018. That is nuts. 
over a year and a half, well over a year and a half ago, was A.J. Green's last game. He missed all of last year, as you know, and I'm not trying to rub it in. But that's how big Sunday is for so many reasons, right? You got Joe Burrow's debut. I'm going to get to Jonah Williams in a second. We're we're talking about, you know, COVID and the stuff that everybody, fans and everybody on the planet has gone through in 2020 in this debut. And you got A.J. Green, who did participate in practice, went through some individual drills, caught some passes from Joe Burrow. And Zach Taylor, well, he said, quote, he looked good to me today. It's good to have him back in the fold. So guess what? A.J. Green, good to go for Sunday. That hamstring not bothering him. But I would anticipate a snap count because when Taylor was asked about Green's status, he said, quote, we're fortunate because we're deep at receiver and we feel like there are a lot of guys that can step in there and be a primary receiver. You call a play, you don't necessarily have to look to see who's out there to make sure what play call. You feel the confidence all those guys can execute their jobs. And I agree. That is one of the benefits to this system. And when you look at the Bengals and we've talked so much about their wide receiver depth, I think that's uh, something that they can use to their advantage, especially you're talking about a guy like Mike Thomas, who's certainly comfortable with Joe Burrow. That's unexpected because now you're basically six wide receivers deep and guys that you could see out there in the fold at some point or another on offense. How many teams can say that? And those six receivers, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, Auden Tate, T. Higgins, Mike Thomas. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if A.J. Green gets 40 to 45 snaps this weekend. Because one, if there are quality 40 to 45 snaps, it won't matter. Right? <laughs> it doesn't matter. He needs his 10 targets, sure. I, I Of course I want A.J. Green out there on on important third downs and third and longs and second and longs. And I want some play action shots and all that stuff. I'm not saying don't use him, but I'm saying use him efficiently. And I think that's where the Bengals are. And and that is a big deal to me. When I look at this Bengals team, if you want them to hit on all cylinders, that's the way to do it. Spread the wealth, share the wealth, keep them as healthy as possible, as fresh as possible. John Ross doesn't need 12 targets to make a big play. Of course, when he's healthy, I want A.J. Green to get his 12 targets. But my point is, you can be efficient in how you use these weapons. You can be efficient in how you use Joe Mixon and A.J. Green and the guys behind them. And a lot of the offensive success is obviously going to come down to the offensive line. The Bengals are banking on Jonah Williams. He spoke as well on Monday. And I like this because... I'm not going to say he's Joe Burrow or compare him to Joe Burrow, but I think he's all business like Burrow. They have that in common. And Jake's going to get into the individual matchups and stuff, but certainly uh, over the next couple of days, we're going to discuss this offensive line and how it's going to hopefully contain this tough front of the Chargers. And if you're Jonah Williams, you're going up against Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram and then four days later, Miles Garrett. And he just talked about how excited he was to get out there and hyped for his NFL debut. And that was a word he said multiple times during his 13-minute news conference with the media. Hyped is what he would describe it as. And I think that's great. I think Jonah's the type of guy that's done his research. He's done his research on these guys. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he's talked to Burrow about Bosa, someone that Burrow was teammates with, obviously, at Ohio State. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm really not worried as much about 
a guy like Jonah Williams. That doesn't mean he's not going to have his issues, take his lumps, or give up his sacks. I, I do. I think he's going to get beat on Sunday. I think that goes without saying, right? But he's going to learn from it. The, the same goes for Burrow. Like, Burrow, he's going to learn from an interception he throws or a bad read or a, a bad ball that he, you know, bad decision he makes that maybe doesn't get picked, but it's still just a bad decision. That's what he's going to do. And I think that's how Williams is, is set up to just from hearing him now in a couple news conferences and how he carries himself and, and talking to his teammates and stuff. And I, I think that's the mentality you need. So I don't know about you guys. I'm excited. We're minutes away now at two minutes away from hearing Jake break down matchups to pay attention to on Sunday. Week one is here, baby. And I just hope you are as excited as me. I'll tell you what else has me excited. RockAuto.com has me excited, and here's why. I wouldn't consider myself handy, but with YouTube in the year 2020, you can do a lot of things to your car and, and teach yourself how to. Right, I talk about the air filters I change in my car all the time where dealers will charge you 50 and 100 bucks. Well, I got them on rockauto.com for much, much less. The same quality products, the same brands, and I was able to change them in just a couple of minutes. Rock Auto is a family-owned business, and it is the most convenient way to buy parts for your car, truck, van, SUV, whatever you have. It doesn't matter the brand. They have over 300 makes. That's right, makes, not models, makes. So you may drive a Corolla or an Accord, or you may drive a Saturn, which they don't make anymore. Well, guess what? Rock Auto is going to have that part you're looking for. And you can shop from the comfort of your own home. And there is no markup at rockauto.com. You don't pay more because you're a consumer. You know, at those big box stores, mechanics get the deal. Well, you get the deal at rockauto.com. So go there, check out their amazing selection, and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You know what time it is, everyone. It is time to start looking forward to the Bengals' first matchup of the 2020 season. It is time to look forward to real football. And I started to look ahead and started to look at that week one matchup in a little bit more detail at about two in the morning Eastern time on Sunday night. That's 11 o'clock for me out on the West Coast. And I came up with some bullet points. I got some concerns that I'm going to talk about. I've got some matchups that I think seem a little bit favorable. And we will dig into these points throughout the week in our crossover and in our preview episode on Thursday but I figured I would start by giving you a high-level overview of these are the things that I'm going to be watching for. These are the matchups that I'm concerned about. These are the matchups where the Bengals can win. These are the things that we need to see how the Bengals are going to mitigate, what they're going to do to 
soften the blow of some of the mismatches, some of the concerning matchups. And then there's some other bullet points that I have that are just kind of fun. Little notes that, that don't necessarily have anything to do with the competition of the game, but are things that I'm going to be watching nonetheless. So I'm going to get started. As I've learned in my time of doing this podcast, starting the negatives is generally not very well received. So I'm going to be starting with the positives and the matchups that I think seem favorable for the Cincinnati Bengals as they prepare for the Los Angeles Chargers, who I will forever call the San Diego Chargers in week one. And the first important note here is that the Chargers will not be wearing their powder blue uniforms. And I think that that is a huge competitive advantage for the Chargers when they wear them because they're the best uniforms in football. Now, jokes aside, actually, the the first thing that to me really favors the Bengals is the Cincinnati defensive line against the L.A. offensive line. And this is a matchup that for both teams kind of trends in this direction where the defensive lines on paper look favored. And we'll get to that on the other side of the matchup analysis as well. But when you look at this Los Angeles offensive line, in my opinion, there's really only one guy that you feel relatively confident in being an above-average NFL lineman, and that's right tackle Brian Bulaga, who they brought in from Green Bay. From left to right, this group includes Sam Tevy at left tackle, Dan Feeney at left guard, Mike Pouncey at center, Trey Turner at right guard, and Brian Bulaga at right tackle. That right side of the line looks a lot better than the left side of the line, and there's a big question to me as to how much gas Mike Pouncey has left in the tank. Trey Turner has been hampered by an ankle injury. We'll see how good he's feeling for week one. Last I saw, he was questionable. We'll have to see if he's able to play his backup. His 2017 second-round pick, Forrest Lamp. And you might not recognize many of those names, Brian Bulaga being the exception, because I know we talked about Bulaga as a potential acquisition for the Bengals this offseason on this podcast, and I still think it would have been a good move. He's a very solid player at right tackle, and I don't mean to sell him short, but the rest of these guys don't necessarily inspire a ton of confidence. Trey Turner is a few years removed from being very good. Mike Pouncey is even more years removed from being very good. And despite him having a big name and his brother, of course, plays for the Steelers, Mike Pouncey hasn't been good for a while. Dan Feeney, never really been very good in the NFL. And Tevi at left tackle, also never been that good in the, in the NFL. This is represented by PFF scores. It's represented by Brandon Thorne's tier list. And looking at that list... Three out of five of these players on the L.A. offensive line are in Tier 6, which is not where you want to be, obviously. He does like Mike Pouncey a lot more than PFF does. He has him in Tier 3, and he also likes Trey Turner a little bit more, I think, than PFF does. He has Turner in Tier 3 as well. But Tevi was a Tier 6 right tackle last year. He's now playing on the left side because they acquired Bulaga to play right tackle. And Feeney is also in the tier six of left guard. So not a whole lot to write home about for these offensive linemen for the Los Angeles Chargers. I think this is a matchup that skews heavily in the Bengals' favor and gives them an opportunity to control the run game from Los Angeles, which I think largely is actually going to be extended through short passes to Austin Eckler. That's a different story to contain but also enables them to get a lot of pressure to Tyrod Taylor. And speaking of Tyrod Taylor, I don't think that he's necessarily a great quarterback at this stage in his career. He was pretty good 
So give him credit. Back when he was in Buffalo for a few years as a starter, he was a pretty good starting quarterback. He could manage a game very well. He has good speed, good running ability, but he's never played very well against Cincinnati, which makes me think that some of that institutional knowledge, some of that game planning is still in Cincinnati as far as how to manage a Tyrod Taylor game plan. I know it's a totally different coaching staff, but I know that a lot of the front office is also the same and a lot of the players have seen Tyrod before. The Bengals have played Tyrod twice. Taylor's QB record against the Bengals is 1-1, one and one, but he's not played very well in either of those games. I think that the Bengals, despite missing Trey Waynes at this point, despite revamping the entire back half of their defense, and in large part due to that defensive line, having Will Jackson out there, I think that that matchup favors the Bengals a little bit just because Tyrod is not the kind of quarterback that can single-handedly very often beat a team. I think that that's okay. Next up to talk about is looking at the Los Angeles defense. Now, they have a very good secondary, and I'll talk about that in the next part of the show, but they don't have such a great safety or linebacking core. Kenneth Murray the rookie from this year's draft, a lot of Bengals fans wanted Murray at some point. He's starting, I believe, for the Chargers right now. And I thought that he was, I thought that he was a guy that was going to need time. And none of the guys they have at linebacker are particularly capable in coverage, I don't think. So we'll see if the Bengals can exploit that, exploit the middle of the field at all. Now, they do have a very good defensive line, so I don't know how much the linebackers hurt them in the running game just because I think that their front four controls the line of scrimmage so well for them. But we'll have to see how that plays out, obviously, on game day. The other thing is, without Derwin James, those safeties are not very good. Nasser Adderley from Delaware was a guy that I actually liked in the draft but obviously needed developmental time as well. And so... He's going to be exposed a little bit earlier than maybe he wanted to be. And nobody steps into the shoes of Derwin James. That's something that will be a loss that the Chargers will feel at the back of that defense. Last thing to talk about that I think is going to be a really fun matchup to watch, and we're going to get into this a little bit in the next part of the show as well, is that the cornerback wide receiver matchup for the Bengals when the Bengals are on offense should be very fun to watch. I think it might be the best wide receiver defensive back, at least for corners, matchup in the NFL in week one. And I think a lot of people around the league might not recognize this because perhaps there's not a very keen awareness of how good the Bengals' skill positions are outside of people that are really paying attention. But A.J. Green, full go. He's expected to be ready for week one. John Ross, no reason to think he won't be ready for week one. Tyler Boyd, we all know what he can do. Beyond those guys, we saw what Auden Tate did all of training camp. He was great, has a great rapport with Joe Burrow. And then you have T. Higgins, the rookie, if he's the guy that's active. I'm not actually sure if he will be, depending on special teams contributions. We'll have to wait and find out uh, about how they're going to manage their 48 men that I assume they'll have active on Sunday. You can get up to 48 now by activating extra offensive linemen. But regardless of how good San Diego's corners are, The Bengals wide receivers are also very good. And they have their healthy guys that can get separation in John Ross and A.J. Green and John Ross. And they have their possession guys and guys like Auden Tate and and Tyler Boyd, both of whom have shown great ability to connect with Joe Burrow in a timing perspective. 
So a lot of positives for the Bengals that I've talked about so far. There are some matchups, however, that are concerning, and I'll get into those coming up next. Before we get to the negatives, maybe you want to get a snack before I start talking about the things that are going to be tough for the Bengals to overcome this week. And if you want to get a snack, I have to recommend to you DoorDash because they will bring you anything that you could possibly want from Chinese to pizza to Froyo. There is something for literally everyone on DoorDash, no matter your dietary preferences or your dietary needs. And my favorite thing about DoorDash right now during the COVID-19 era is that you can continue to support your favorite restaurants in your community, and you can do so safely without subjecting yourself to the risks of dining in. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. They're counting on you to keep their doors open, and there's no better way to get this food conveniently than DoorDash. Now, if you don't know what it is, it's the app that brings you food right to your door. You open the app, choose what you want to eat, Your food will be left safely outside your door with new contactless delivery drop-off settings. They have 300,000 partners in the United States, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia. You can get local go-tos. You can get national restaurants like Chipotle or the Cheesecake Factory. Anything you want at your fingertips with DoorDash. And our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees right now on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNFL. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more on the DoorDash app using promo code LOCKEDONNFL. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Getting back to football in this week one matchup between the Los Angeles Chargers and the Cincinnati Bengals, we knew that this season was going to potentially be a little bit rocky for the Bengals. They're coming off one of the worst seasons in franchise history. They've got a rookie quarterback. They've overhauled the defense. And that means that there are still some things that are going to be matchup concerns on every NFL team because other NFL teams are trying really hard to be really good too. Now, the Chargers are not necessarily a really good team, but they have some really good units. And the scariest one, and and where I'm going to start, is the units that are going to be hindering Joe Burrow's play the most. And obviously, when you think of what screws with a quarterback, it's a pass rush and it's cornerback play. And both of those are, unfortunately for the Bengals, very, very good for the Los Angeles Chargers. It starts up front with Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, and Linval Joseph, who was an absolute stud interior defensive lineman in Minnesota from 2015 to 2017. He started to see his play fall off a little bit in 2018 and 2019, and we'll have to see what kind of player he is for the Chargers in 2020, but he still has the tools. He still has the track record, which means he's still a little bit scary, and that is especially true when he's paired with Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. And Joey Bosa is by far the scariest of this group, right? He's been one of the best edge rushers in the NFL since he came into the league. He had a bit of a down year in 2018, if you go by PFF grades. But as a pass rusher, 
I mean, we saw what his brother did, Nick Bosa, against the Bengals last year when he was supposedly hurt a little bit. Joey Bosa, pretty much the same player as a pass rusher, had a 90.3 pass rushing grade from Pro Football Focus, which ranked third out of all of the edge rushers in the NFL. Now, that's really, really good. He's going to get his share of Bobby Hart and Jonah Williams. He does play both sides at a relatively equal split. The other guy for the Chargers, of course, is Melvin Ingram. And Ingram had his best years in 2016 and 2017. If you go by PFF grades, he is not quite the caliber of pass rusher as Joey Bosa is, obviously, but he's still a really good player. 26th out of 108 edge players in pass rush grade for PFF in 2019 and has historically, when he's played against the Bengals, been somewhat problematic for them to deal with. And again, whoever's not dealing with Joey Bosa means they have to deal with Melvin Ingram. And for the most part, that's just a problem for Bobby Hart. And that individual matchup is pretty scary. The, the All three of these guys against the Bengals offensive line, we'll see how improved they are. We'll see how they deal with a guy like Linval Joseph, and maybe we'll see how much Linval Joseph has left in the tank when we see them go against this Bengals offensive line. And you'll notice there's a trend here, right? The San Diego offensive line, not great. The Bengals offensive line, not great. The defensive lines on the other side, pretty good. And I like the depth for the Bengals on the defensive pass rush unit more, but the front end of Joey Bosa makes that unit just very scary for the Los Angeles Chargers, especially when Bobby Hart is one of your tackles. Now, the other thing that makes this worse and really couples with the strength of the pass rush for the Los Angeles Chargers is they have an incredible secondary. Casey Hayward, who's one of their two corners, was the fourth highest graded corner in the NFL by Pro Football Focus last year. He's been fantastic throughout his entire career after he came out in 2012 as a second round draft pick out of Vanderbilt. He's, he's just a stud. He's absolutely one of the more underrated players in the NFL, I think, and has been better. He's been a top 10 corner most years since he came into the league which is just incredible. And he'll deal with somebody on the outside. And then there's these other two guys, Chris Harris, who's long been the best slot corner in the NFL. He's getting up there a little bit in age. He's 31 years old now, and he's not as good on the outside. At least he wasn't in 2019. And he went to the Chargers as a free agent. I don't think there's some, and we'll have to ask during the crossover later this week. I don't know if there's clarity yet on whether he will be an outside corner or a slot corner for the Chargers. And we'll have to find out because I think that has a big effect on his efficacy. He is an absolute lockdown slot corner. And on the outside, well, we'll see. We'll see how good he can be there. The other guy for the Chargers, regardless of whether uh, Harris is in the slot or outside, is going to be Desmond King, who, again, has just been one of the best corners in the NFL since he came into the league. He did take a dip in performance a little bit in 2019, according to PFF. But before that, Top 10 corner in the NFL, including the second highest PFF grade in 2018. So for Joe Burrow and for these wide receivers and for this offensive line, you're dealing with some of the best corners in the NFL, some of the best pass rushers in the NFL, namely Joey Bosa. And you really have to take advantage of those units I mentioned earlier, the linebackers, the safeties to get things going. You have to take it. Well, you know what? We'll talk about what the Bengals can do to mitigate this in a future episode. Now, shifting gears and looking at the Los Angeles Chargers offense, the concerning things are obviously 
Austin Eckler, the tight ends, and Keenan Allen. This this is pretty straightforward, right? And it's going to be, can you get pressure enough to disrupt the passing game? Or does Los Angeles just answer with the same way that I think the Bengals are going to attack? And we'll talk about that later this week. But Keenan Allen, who just signed a huge extension, is one of the best receivers in the NFL and will test whoever is covering him. And, and if he gets on Darius Phillips a whole lot, you worry about the veteran craftiness against the young, aggressive, playmaking corner of Phillips. That's a big test for week one. And then can the Bengals cover running backs and tight ends this year? Hunter Henry, very good player. Austin Eckler, best receiving back in the NFL in 2019. And and maybe Christian McCaffrey's a little bit better, right? But he, he's in that conversation as a receiving back. And both of those guys, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler, even, even Green, the other tight end for, for Los Angeles are guys that if the Bengals can't man them up and I still don't see anyone on this roster, who's going to be able to run with those guys very well in man coverage. I would love to see it. And I look forward to seeing how the Bengals attack it in week one. That's an area of concern for me. I'm not going to call it a straight up mismatch yet. Cause I, I don't know. I don't know who the Bengals have and I haven't seen them run with anybody in man yet, but on paper, the rookies and guys like Akeem Davis Gaither played a position that doesn't really exist in the NFL. He wasn't doing a lot of man coverage, and Logan Wilson was primarily in zone coverage when he was a coverage linebacker at Wyoming. So I don't know if it's the rookies. It's not Josh Bynes. He, he's a fine linebacker, but in man coverage against Austin Eckler or these tight ends, it's not going to go well for the Bengals. And so is it Jermaine Pratt? Maybe. We'll have to wait and see. Could, could it be one of these rookies? It could be. They have the athletic tools, but they don't have the experience and the technique. And so that makes it a question mark for me. So those are the high-level concerns for the Bengals in this matchup. I think that there are some very good weapons in the offense for San Diego, just like I do for Los Angeles. See, I told you I'd do it. Uh, just as I think there are for the Bengals, I think that the defensive lines are very good on both sides. I think that the corners for for Los Angeles are going to be a problem. I think Joe Burrow, I'm excited to see how he performs in his debut. He's a big-time performer. We'll see if that moxie shows up in week one. And then there's some other just kind of fun notes here. and, and may, They're fun for me anyway. For one, are we going to get a Nick Vigil revenge game? Nick Vigil, of course, from the Bengals, went to Los Angeles this offseason to play linebacker. Not sure how much he's going to play in this game. Not sure where he is on that charger depth chart. But uh, you always got to watch out for those revenge games. I don't think there are any former chargers on the Bengals team right now. The other bit that I think is noteworthy, this isn't as much fun as it is a game planning factor, is Mike Williams is said to be a game time decision. And if he can't go, that significantly shifts things, I think, in the Bengals' favor in terms of how to handle the chargers' weapons. If Mike Williams is also there, that's a pretty significant upgrade over the guys behind him on the Chargers depth chart, so we'll have to monitor his health. And the last thing is, if you just like watching young guys play football that have a lot of promise, Kenneth Murray, Cortez Broughton, if he's active, Nasir Adderley, Jerry Tillery, KJ Hill, all fun young guys on the Chargers. You know who the young guys are for the Bengals. We are watching them anyway. But if you're watching your favorite draft prospects and these are any of them, well, you got a chance to see them in week one in Cincinnati. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. 
Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 